You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. Community Church, as we begin our series in the book of Isaiah, we've entitled the series, Living in the Shadow of Our Great King. Living in the Shadow of Our Great King. So let me give you a little background about Isaiah as you're turning to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah was written around 700 B.C. by the prophet Isaiah. The children of Israel, Israel, the nation of Israel, had been in the land for about 700 years. About 1400 B.C., God gave the promised land to his people after they came through the exodus. And now 700 years later, God is speaking to those people and he's reminding them of something that he said to them 700 years earlier. For you see, 700 years earlier, God had Moses write Deuteronomy to his people. And this is what he said to them. When you go into this land that I gave you, don't forget me. Don't worship the gods and the idols of that land. When you go into that land, remember my covenant with you. Because if you don't, then I am going to come and remove you from that land. I'm going to come and I'm going to visit you with my judgment and my wrath. I am going to call the heavens and the earth to testify against you If you break my covenant and today is that cosmic court date. In fact, that's the title of the message this morning. Cosmic court date. Isaiah 1, 1 through 20. What we're witnessing here today is the arraignment, Mr. Attorney, of God's people. And what happens at an arraignment? You bring in the person who's being charged. We see it on TV, right? A famous case. You know those pictures? You got the, the judge up there. You got the poor person just standing here in that orange jumpsuit. And what do they do at an arraignment? Someone reads the charges against that person. You see, the, the judge will say, you've been charged with. And then the defendant pleads either guilty or not guilty. This morning is the cosmic court date, is the arraignment of God's people, and God is going to be reading the charges against them. Here's how wonderful our God is. Though we stand guilty in that orange jumpsuit. Can you just imagine yourself in that orange jumpsuit? Though the charges are the worst ever. They are cosmic treason and rebellion against our God. And though we deserve death. In the midst of this book is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel? Isaiah is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. Isaiah is stunning in its sobriety and its calling out God's people for running after false gods, for forsaking the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. But Isaiah is filled with mercy for those who will repent. It's very appropriate, folks, that we're beginning Isaiah today right before we enter into a week of prayer and fasting. Because we all stand with Israel in that cosmic courtroom. We all are hearing the charges brought against us. But what I want you to hear, what I want you to be looking for, in fact, look for it in today's sermon, is the gospel in the midst of that. 
when God reads out the charges, right? Most of us know, Your Honor, I got my head down. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And this is a capital punishment. But in the midst of that, friend, God brings grace to the humble, to the broken. You see, Israel at this time was trusting in other gods. Israel at this time was trying to play both both and. They said, yeah, we belong to God, capital G, but we're going to kind of cover our best with these gods. Israel was not trusting God to preserve them, but they were trusting in alliances with foreign kings. You're about to see here in a moment that the span of Isaiah's ministry is marked by four kings. You see them in the very first verse. King Uzziah, who died in 740 B.C., You have King Jotham, King Ahaz, and then King Hezekiah around 680 BC. So from 740 to 680 is the span of Isaiah's ministry. And particularly with Ahaz and with Hezekiah at the end of his ministry, you've got this tension. Can God protect his people? Or does Ahaz, does he have to make an alliance with the king of Assyria? Or will he trust God to protect Israel, Judah? Will Hezekiah make an alliance with the king of Egypt or will he trust God to protect God's people? See, and the problem is, if you were going to make an alliance with the king of Assyria back then, guess what you had to do? You had to worship his gods. So that's the question. That's the question for us today. Will we trust God or will we make alliances with the small g gods in our lives? Will we trust God and commit ourselves to him or will we try to manipulate and control things our way? That's the question here. This cosmic court date confronts us. And so let us listen to God speaking His charges against his people. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. The cosmic court date is coming 700 years later. He said he was going to do it. Here it is. He's calling all of creation to bear witness to the charges against his people. For the Lord has spoken, children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord." They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound out or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, 
like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, said the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. And they have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good and seek justice. Correct oppression and bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, though they shall be, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here is the message of God to us today, church, as we stand in that cosmic courtroom. Repent and return to your holy king that you might live under his benevolent rule. Repent and return to your holy king that you might live under his benevolent rule. Point one, God's charge against his people. In verses two through nine, we hear God's charge against his people. He calls heaven and earth to bear witness against them. It is a charge of cosmic treason. It is a charge of rebellion. Look at verse four, the first part of verse four. Ah, Sinful nation. There's a grieving in Isaiah's heart. A people laden with iniquity, offspring of evil doers. God's people are a people, they're a nation, and God's people are a family, offspring. But they are laden with sin, they are filled with guilt, they are sinners and they're guilty. He goes on They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. This is the charge. It's the charge of rebellion. But first, before we get to the charge, before we detail the charge, we've got to understand this term, the Holy One of Israel. You need to understand the God that you're here to worship. I assume if you're here, you're here to worship him. I can tell you this. 
He does not play games. So if you're here just to give lip service, you still got your gods over here, but you're going to kind of cover your bets and, you know, give this God a little bit of time like Israel was doing. What he says to you is, no, I don't want, I don't want your offerings. He wants all of you. All of you. No secret secondary plan. No covering your bets. No secret alliances with other gods and kings. At that point, we're all guilty, aren't we? I'm the first one that's guilty. Put me right at the head of the line. Just put us all in the courtroom, and I'm the first guy in the orange jumpsuit. You see, see what, what God is saying here is that I'm God. That's what the Holy One of Israel means. It means there is no one like me. Now, when you think the Holy One of Israel, you think purity, right? We're going to get to that in a moment. He is pure. He's morally pure. We are filthy. That's a big problem. But before you get there, here's what that means. God is unique. He's distinct. There's no one like him. It's not like like the gods of the Assyrians or maybe like these superhero movies that you guys like to watch. You know, like half God, half man. Or like just like a supercharged guy. That's what the gods were like back then in the Assyrians and the Babylonians, right? No, no, no. He's saying, I am unique. I am creator. Therefore, I deserve your worship. And so he just, he calls you, worship me. Throw away your gods. Worship me. Secondly, the Holy One of Israel means that he's morally pure. And the problem is that we're filthy. So we have a problem here. We have a morally pure God that, that commands us to, to, to worship him and to be faithful to him. And we have a people that has rebelled against his God, their God. And we stand with them. I love this quote from Oswald, who is a theologian that I would trust and I would commend his commentary. He tries to explain to us this charge of rebellion. But your honor, I'm not guilty because I didn't rebel and Oswald will come forth and he's going to give us an argument right here. He's going to give us some data. He's going to give us facts to attempt to control one's own destiny implied denial of God. Whoops. Ah, In America, we're the land of manifest destiny. Uh, If you're an American or if you came to America Apart from Christ, you came here is because you can be your own person. I will chart my destiny. Follow your heart. Yes, right to hell. <laughs> you can't. And if you persist in it, you are denying God. Whoa, wait, I'm, I'm not guilty, Your Honor. No, but you are. And I am. I, again, I'm first in line here. To attempt to control one's own destiny implied denial of God. But acceptance of God's way meant a frightening relinquishment of power. God's driving and we're climbing over the seat trying to grab the steering wheel from him. I don't like to not be in the driver's seat. But he's God. Exhibit A, the Holy One of Israel. He's not like you. Thank God. As a good friend of mine once said, thank God for God. That makes sense, actually. Who else are you going to (laughs) thank? Typically, they try, now he's speaking of Israel and us. Typically, they try to keep both God, capital G, and the gods with unhappy results. 
I'm a Christian, but just in case, I'm going to withhold some of my income from the IRS. I'm a Christian, but just in case, I'm going to hook up over here because I'm lonely. Fill in the blank with whatever your just in case is, whatever your little G is. That little God you go worship in your closet when no one's looking. Like your functional go-to God. You understand what I'm saying? For the most part, this is, this is crucial, church, because the religious among you are freaking out right now. For the most part, how can he talk to me that way? For the most part, they did not consciously abandon God. Here's the trick. You don't think you're consciously abandoning God. But their attempt to keep both God, God's, I trust you, Lord, but I'm actually in control. I trust you as long as you do it the way I think you should do it. Trying to keep both amounted to abandonment. That's when they say they forsook God. They don't even know their owner. The ox knows the owner, but my people don't know their owner. Even the animals know their owner, but you are behaving more poorly than the animals. It amounted to abandonment and was in the eyes of the prophets, and I would say to Oswald, more importantly, in God's eyes, rebellion. And look at the results. Verse 5. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is is faint. It's the picture of physical illness and the sole of the foot, even to the head. There is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out. In other words, the wounds aren't tended or, or dealt with or bound up or softened with oil. He goes on to say in verses seven and eight that your land is destroyed. Your cities are burned. So he goes from this physical malady because of your rebellion to your land is being destroyed because of your rebellion. And then in the midst of this, in the midst of our head down, standing in line, doing the perp walk, we are guilty and it is a capital offense. God brings grace. Look at verse nine. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. You know Sodom and Gomorrah? Wiped out, sown with salt, never to be seen again. You ready ready to see Christ? The very wounds, the Hebrew words in verse 5, of the wounds and the sores and the bruises are the very Hebrew words that Isaiah uses because God the Holy Spirit inspired him to use it in Isaiah 53. Because in Isaiah 53, grace comes to people who are rebels who don't deserve it, and that grace is Jesus Christ. On the screen, Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. By the way, griefs that we deserve and sorrows that we deserve because of our rebellion. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. This filthy, 
pus infested, sore filled in person who's just wounded and lying on the ground and bugs are crawling all over him comes and gets clean and healed because Jesus became that wounded pus infested person on the cross and he died in utter shame and broken for my iniquity and yours. All we like sheep, verse 6, have gone astray. Yeah, we're all in that line. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity on him, the iniquity of us all. All God's elect. Point two. God's claim on his people. In verse 10, this whole passage turns. I want you to look at verse 10 because there's a parallel phrase there that matches verse 10 with verse 2. Come now, excuse me, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the teaching of of our God, you people of Gomorrah. That's Israel. In verse 2, he's saying, all of creation, cosmic courtroom, all the witnesses come, hear my charges against my people. And now in verse 10, he says, you, my people, who are like Sodom and Gomorrah, hear my words. Oh, friends, hear his words this morning. From verse 11 down to verse 15. He basically outlines the fact that when they gather together and play their little games of trying to say, I worship you, God, but I got my little gods back here and no one can see. Oh, yes, I trust you, Lord, as long as you go where I want you to go. Listen, to get to Grandma's house, we got to go down West 49th Street, not the Palmetto. So like, God, let's go the Palmetto. You know, for my life to be successful, I need this, this, this. I need it then, right now. Right? So... We're trying to do our own destiny and we're denying God. We say we worship God, but we've got our little gods hidden back here, our functional gods. And so he says, don't worship me. I'm not going to hear your prayers. I don't want to smell your burnt offerings. I hate it. That's, that's strong language, folks. That's really strong language. It speaks of God's holiness and his wrath because God is good. He must oppose sin. And because God loves us, he's not going to let us get away with saying we trust him when actually we're denying him. He's not going to let us get away with saying saying we worship him when actually we're worshiping other idols, other gods in our hearts, things that we put above God. He loves us so much that he's going to call us out, but he's not going to leave us there. He's going he's to bring restoration to those who repent. He changes me, so I want to follow him. But I still got those pesky gods and idols back there. We're not talking perfection. We're talking a heart direction that says, Oh, you who took my wounds and healed me, help me. I'm caught yet again. I'm bowing at that idol again. I'm telling you how to run your universe again. Listen, you know how I know For me, when I am trying to manipulate and control God in the situation, when I find myself in anger and anxiety, that's like one of those sores on my arm. In fact, I got a lot of these. The older I'm getting, I'm getting more sores and splotches. But a real true sore. And you go, 
something's going on in there. That anxiety I have. Maybe you struggle with that. I know some of it is chemical, but I wonder if some of it is just, I want to I control things that I'm not getting my way. Some of you are the anxiety. I'm the anger type. I'm not getting my way, so I'm just going to go nuts until everybody's so afraid of me that they back off and give me my way. The problem is God doesn't play that game. But he loves you. So as you, you know, flail about on the floor and everybody else runs away from you, God walks up and just picks you up. He says, I love you, my son, my daughter. I love you so much that I'm going to change your heart and purify your worship. That's what's going on here. So he calls his people in mercy and in grace. Look at verse 16. Here's what he says. You want to know what it looks like to repent? Verse 16 on the screen. Three things. The first one, wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Do you see the gospel there? You see, the only way that I can wash myself and make myself clean of my iniquity is by the blood of Jesus. I cannot take enough showers to cleanse the putricity that's inside my soul. I cannot do enough good things to wash away some of the horrible and very embarrassing things that I've done in my life. I'm not even talking about 10 years ago. Although there's a lot of those too. Like yesterday. Or as I told you last week, how I treated my neighbor across the street. Just yelled at him when he crashed into one of my guest cars. (laughs) But the blood of Jesus can. That's blood of Jesus talk. Wash yourselves. Wash yourselves. Lord Jesus, we come to you at the cross this week. We, We fast food and we seek your face as a church together. We pray. We say, Lord, forgive us. Let the Lord speak to you what he wants you to repent of. Next, remove your evil deeds. Second part of verse 16. From, uh, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. And finally, that's the put off. Verse 17. Learn to do good. Here's the put on. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's case. Friends, here's the appeal of this message. The appeal of this message is verse 18 to 20. The, the gospel in this message is verse 18 and 20. Because in verse 18, we read some astounding words. We read the judge who has every right to condemn us to death says the following. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. God doesn't have to reason with you. You know how when your kids said, why, daddy? Some of us who are a little harsher than others, what's our answer? Because I said so. (laughs) You beat me to it. You know what God does? Who's the king of all all creation? He says, you know what? You're acting like a brat. A rebellious one. Actually, an evil one. But come. I'm not going to beat you. I'm not going to punish you. Let us reason together. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, hear God say to you, come, let us reason together. And you know what it starts with? You acknowledging that he's right and your mouth goes. And you, and you listening and thinking about this God 
who is a benevolent ruler, is the one who died on the cross to heal your broken, diseased body. You were dying. You were disgusting with your sin. And God picked you up and he healed you and he dressed you with his righteousness. And he gives you all glory. Won't you reason with him? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is cross of Jesus Christ language. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But God is serious about righteousness. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. The story of Isaiah is they refused and rebelled and they were eaten by the sword. We're going to read about this. We're going to study it. For thus says the Lord, that's what it ends with, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. God is speaking this morning. It is my mouth, however imperfectly, this is God's word. He's speaking. What does this look like for you? I can't tell you what it looks like for you. It starts with agreeing with God, whatever he's speaking to you right now, whatever evil deeds he's asking you to put off, whatever good he's asking you to learn, God will show you. He'll show you what it means to stop trying to control and manipulate him and everybody else around you and really accept his lead. He's going to show you those gods that you don't even know you had that you were trusting in. Not God, capital G, who deserves to be trusted in, the Holy One of Israel, but all the little G gods, the kings of Egypt and Assyria for you. And he's going to, he's going to give you the grace to slowly get rid of them. I know it's hard. You've trusted in them all your life. Your go-to move is boom. In your marriage, when you get in a conflict, your go-to move is boom. When you got something really important to do, your go-to move is boom. When you look at your finances and then God slowly, because he loves you, he's going to heal you and he's going to give you the grace to trust him. But even more important, I love this, the learn to do good peace. I love that section. To care for the fatherless and the widow. We have lots of ministries here at Palm Vista where you can learn how to do good. Uh, Jeannie, who next week is going to talk to us on the Right to Life, um, Sanctity of Life Sunday. She's going to give us a presentation, Heartbeat of Miami. We've got the Florida Baptist Children's Home that Grace uh, is is working at and, and we can do good to them. But listen, there are things that God wants to teach you. Good that God wants to teach you. Specific things that we know not of yet. Seek him this next week of prayer and fasting. And as he shows you some things to do, some good practical good works to do, we have a deacon of outreach that will help you with that. He's traveling today. He's on business, but his wife, Shailene, is right here. And we as a church want to come alongside with you and partner with you. I mean, the Abegs are doing tremendous good throughout Central America and the Caribbean. We're just partnering with them. God has placed this on their heart, but we're a body. Part of the call of of pastors is to equip you, the saints, for good works. God may be putting something. You may know something I don't know, a suffering in this city. And God will put it on your heart to start a small little project. Let us know about it. We want to make sure you're mature. We want to make sure that it's wise. We want to make sure that the doctrine is right if you're doing some sort of teaching. But we as pastors want to come alongside you, even maybe help you fund that a little bit. We don't. Who knows? The the Gonzaleses are running for the Florida Baptist Children's Home. That's a partnership. You know, uh, Christmas Deer of the Beast, that's a partnership. Guys, God has a partnership for you. You can reach your world in ways I can't. I don't know your world like you know your world. 
This is exciting. When this starts happening, we start living the gospel. And we do it as broken people who say, I'm the first guy in the perp line. But God has, has cleansed me. And I'm learning how to do good. And I'm trusting God. And the gospel's at the center. Man, this is a church with legs that is serving the community. And that is God's will. You guys are beautiful. I know. We all got some scars, don't we? But he's beautified us. And he's brought us together. So let's pray about that. Because of time, we're not going to worship. But I want, I'd like just as much reverence right now as possible. Just bow your head. Stay seated. Just bow your head. Lord, I just thank you that you found this this wounded, broken, arrogant young man from Miami, Florida. And you said, come, let us reason together. And I still don't understand why you would do that. I don't understand why you, God of all the universe, the, the Holy One of Israel, would, would, would just come. The plan was for you to come and be a child and live a perfect life and then die in shame and brokenness and pain on the cross. But I'm sure glad you did it. So I pray that we would be a church of broken, diseased people whom you've healed. And we would go out to offer that healing to others. I pray there'd be unique in 2019, creative, fun, amazing, and yes, risk-taking ministries that are birthed. We, just, we wouldn't just sit back and wait for a big event. Oh, that, that couple does that because that's their thing. But suddenly we'd say, Lord, how can, how can I learn to do good in my little context and my world? That your name would be glorified, Jesus, because you are the Lord of glory. And we worship you. We are gathered today to worship you. So continue to heal us and strengthen us. Give us hope. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.